This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to create better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. What we as CPAs hold most dear is actually our biggest mistake. We are conditioned as CPAs to always want to be right. What we're going to discuss today is how to make better mistakes. Not only why we need to be making mistakes, but why mistakes are what's going to drive our practice to a better level and a higher level and actually take a lot of pressure off us. And of course, how to handle these mistakes. You know, we grow up in school with this idea that a mistake is bad. My friend Robert Kiyosaki just released a new book called Fake, and it's fake money, um, fake teachers, and fake assets. And when he talks about the fake teachers, one of the things he talks about is how teachers want us to learn without making mistakes. We are penalized for making mistakes in school. From the time we're five years old, right, we get marked down for a mistake. Prior to that time, we're learning everything we do by making mistakes, whether it's learning how to walk, whether it's learning how to speak. And then we get this conditioning. And I think this is one of our biggest challenges as CPAs. We're the smart students. We're the A students. You know, we're the ones who did well on our exams, right? Because we figured it out. We figured out what we could do to make the teacher happy, what to do to make our parents happy, what to do to succeed in school was to be right and to not make mistakes. The challenge is, is when we get into a practice, which is a business, right? When we get into our practice, trying to be right all the time is a huge handicap. And so what we want to be looking for is how can we make mistakes, make them small, make them fast, How do we make mistakes that don't cripple us, both emotionally and financially, so that we can actually move forward faster and build our practices faster and end up with better clients, a better practice, and a better life? So that's what I want to talk about today is this whole idea of not making mistakes. I've made more than my share of really big mistakes. And I think that a lot of the times when we make big mistakes is because we failed to make small mistakes and we failed to admit the mistakes. Buckminster Fuller, who was a a genius of the 20th century, one of the great geniuses of the 20th century, once said that a mistake is not a sin unless it's not admitted. A mistake's not a sin unless it's not admitted. And one of the challenges we run into, I know I run into, is we so much want to be right. We so much don't want to make a mistake that we, we fail to admit the mistake. So I'll give you an example. I worked for Price Waterhouse for a very short period of time, seven months. And it was frankly a mistake signing on with Price Waterhouse. It was not the right job for me. Um, they didn't really want me in the first place. I was just looking for something different. I was in a uh, Fortune 1000 company. I was doing well. 
I was tired of it. I wanted something new. And um, I was doing a lot of state and local tax. And so I decided, well, I'll look for a state and local position. And Price Waterhouse in Phoenix had an, had a need. Well, I had some experience, not the amount of experience that I had, for example, in partnerships or real estate, something like that. But I had some experience, which I gained at, at Pinnacle West, the Fortune 1000 company. And so I went through this hiring process. And as I look back, I'm going, okay, here's the first mistake was taking the job. Even though knowing that I wasn't A, their first choice, and B, that they were really looking for something that I didn't have the skill set to do it. They were looking for somebody to build a practice. And I'd never even, you know, I'd never had any sales experience. I didn't know how to build a practice. I figured that, you know, I'd figure it out. So that's the first thing. Then on a daily basis, and, and so, so next mistake, they come to me and the person who they'd really wanted in that job uh, decided that she was available. And so she went to them and said, well, I like come. they come to me and said, what do you think? Well, okay, mistake number two. I said, yes. You know, already there wasn't enough work for one of us. And for me to say yes meant that it would just put more pressure. And it was really that seven months ended up being um, one of the worst periods of my life. Um, nervous breakdown and all. And eventually they fired me. And even, even admitting the mistakes, uh, even admitting being fired took me years. It took me years to admit that I'd been fired. So fast forward, start my practice, do quite well had an opportunity to bring on a partner. I really needed somebody. Another mistake. I really, what I really needed was employees. I really didn't need a partner. I really need employees. Um, didn't have the confidence really, you know, I like this guy and, and, uh, and we ended up being partners and, uh, it, it was great for a few years until we kind of outgrew each other. And then that broke up. All of these mistakes I learned from, but I seem to have been learning a little slow so later on, we, we, you know, my, my, my current partner and I, um, we brought on a, a partner to run an office in California, and um, I made mistakes there. I made mistakes there, and it cost us lots and lots of money. So my point is, is that, A, I made a lot of mistakes, um, but B, what I've learned from it is that if we get more comfortable making smaller mistakes... And then recognize that they're mistakes. So if, for example, my, uh, my partner, she's, um, she's known for being very thoughtful about what she says. She rarely makes mistakes, but she's very thoughtful about it. Well, I'm not. So I make mistakes all the time. What, I, what I've been practicing is, is recognizing their mistakes. So I say something, it's a mistake. I can go to the person, I say, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, I know I said this and I totally screwed that up and uh, please help me. One of the things that we teach our staff is that when, there's, when there is a mistake, there's really four ways that we can choose to handle it. We can deny that it's a mistake, right? We can blame somebody else for the mistake, you, we, we've all had situations where we heard somebody blame, oh, my, 
my assistant made that mistake or my staff made that mistake. That, that stuff drives me crazy, okay? We can rationalize the mistake. Oh, well, you know, I had this going on and this going on. I was really busy. You know, I couldn't get back to you. Or we can just admit our mistake. And what I found, one of my partners over the years, uh, Rob, who managed our office for many years, we had a saying that when we made a mistake, we, we'd fall on our sword. And what that meant was is that whether it was clear that it was our mistake, whether it was, you know, the, the, the client, you know, might have made the mistake, we just said, look, I'm so sorry, right? We, we did not mean for this to happen. Obviously, we screwed up. So we, 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 made, we made a point for years and years and years to train our staff and make it part of our culture that we just admit mistakes. You know, you think about as you grew up uh, learning how to do tax returns or financial statements and the review notes. Well, review notes are all about making mistakes. Now, of course, what we were taught is the fewer review notes, the better. Now, we don't want to be making the same mistakes over and over again, but I love the idea of review notes, right? I mean, the idea that we don't get something reviewed I think it's a really bad idea. One of the things I've been looking at lately is how many of us actually have our financial statements are of our company. How many of us have people who are going to say, look, here's the problem with what's going on. Have a critical look. We're accountants. We tend to do our own financial statements. We tend to look at our own financial statements. And so who's going to actually help us with the mistakes we make in those financial statements? When we have a meeting of our network, I always have people bring part of their financial statements because we want to look at what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong, what could we be doing better, because in that forum, then we have an opportunity to talk about with each other and actually maybe even challenge each other a little bit, okay? Say, this is what, this is what I see, okay, if we want to be challenged, right? We're always a very safe environment. So if we want, we can bring up, look, here's what, you know, would you take a look at this? I mean, I get to coach um, every member of our network right now. So I get to look at these things. And if, if they want me to look at it, I'm happy to be the one that says, okay, well, what about this, this, and this? We do this with clients all the time. We're analyzing their financial statements. We're helping them. But who do we go to? Who do we go to? So my challenge for everyone today in the CPA profession is, first of all, we've got to stop being afraid of making mistakes. Now, we want to minimize our mistakes. There's no question. We want them to be smaller mistakes. But I always say fail small and fail fast. Fail small and fail fast. So, for example, here's a failure that I had last year. We were looking for a manager. Now, <laughs> You know, we are always looking, you know, the old story is hire slow and fire fast, which makes total sense, right? You don't want to hire, make the wrong hire. But the reality is that sometimes we do. And what happens, I think, a lot of times is we hold on to somebody so long because we don't, A, we don't want to admit that we made a mistake hiring them. And B, you know, we, we're worried about them and are, are they going to be okay and so forth. Well, we hired a manager and um, it was a mistake. It seemed like a really good idea. He seemed like he had all the right qualifications. And really in the first couple of days, we could tell this is not a good fit. And so a week later, 
literally a week after we hired him, we parted ways with him. And he was furious, rightfully so. I mean, we had taken him out of another job, one that he was phasing out of. Nevertheless, he had a job. We took him out of it. We thought it was a good fit. He thought it was a good fit. And a week later, it was really clear it wasn't a good fit. Well, the historically, what I might have done is say, well, you know, we owe it to him and we'll just, let's just try to make it work. My partner came to me and she said, this is not working. It is not a good fit. What can we do about it? And bless her heart, and she's young, and, and bless her heart, she said, uh, you know, she just brought it right, right to my attention. And I said, you know what? We should just let it, we should just part ways. She, we should cut our losses, cut his losses, let him go find a better job, something that's more suitable for him, and we should learn from it. And we should learn from it. And we did. You know, this was an example where we really learned a lot from it. First of all, we learned that we didn't really, um, a manager was not the right person. We needed somebody who could dig in and do stuff. And we went out and we found a terrific senior, absolutely fantastic senior. So the person we replaced him with was so much better, ended up actually being less expensive, and so much better to fit the position. And... I guess my point is that this is one of the few times when I'm going, I failed fast. And it has served us really, really well to fail fast because we were able to let, let, let the, the manager go and let him find the right job for him. But more important, but for us, from our standpoint, very selfishly, from our standpoint, we found somebody who could really do what we wanted, what we needed done. And, um, and, and, and we just learned from that mistake. One of the other areas I think that we struggle with in making mistakes is even when we're working with clients. So first of all, of course, as I mentioned before, what do you do when you make a mistake with a client? And the tendency is to hum and ha or try to cover it up or say, no, that's not our fault or whatever, because we're so worried about legal liability. Okay. Here's what I've learned. They've done studies about which doctors who are sued, you know, which doctors are sued and which doctors aren't sued. And it's not a function of which one made the worst mistake. It's how they dealt with the mistake. When they, those doctors who admit that they made a mistake had a much greater tendency to not be sued. I think we're all comfortable. We all know that people are going to make mistakes and we're all okay. If somebody makes a mistake and they apologize for it, for the most part, it just takes all the pressure off of that mistake, it takes all the air out, all the energy out of that confrontation about making a mistake. So this is what I would suggest. I, I and, and what we do with our what we do with our staff is we actually train them. We have a little exercise. I don't know if you ever remember the balance exercise when you were a kid and you'd have this game where you'd stand opposite each other and you'd you try to push on each other's hands to get the other person to fall back. Well, if you've ever played that game and highly recommend it, what you find is, is that the easiest way to get the other person to fall is for you to pull your hands back, not to push forward. It tends to be the person pushing forward who ends up falling, not the person who is releasing the energy. So when we accept that we've made a mistake and we admit 
that we've made a mistake instead of blaming or justifying or denying it, then what happens is, is that all of a sudden it takes all of the energy out of that, conf that confrontation or that conflict. And I have found personally that really without exception, clients have been, oh, you know what? It was a mistake and please don't do that again. Nevertheless, I, I've never been fired over a mistake that I admitted, ever. Never been fired over a mistake I admitted. I think we tend to get fired over mistakes that we don't admit. It, 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 look, at, look at presidents. Presidents who have had struggles in office, what, it wasn't because they made a mistake. Whether it was, frankly, whether it was uh, Richard Nixon or Bill Clinton, you know, these guys weren't going through an impeachment process because they made a mistake. They were going through an impeachment process because they lied about making a mistake. So it's easy to, you know, say, oh, yeah, well, that, that's them. But what about us? One of the things that um, I'm a big believer in is that anytime that there's a problem, that problem is on me. Okay, I'm the leader of the organization. And anytime there's a problem, that problem is on me. Anytime there's a success, that's my team. And you say, oh, yeah, 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 you say that. No, we, I really believe, I actually believe that. I believe, I know for a fact that nothing happens without my team, okay? This is not about me. I also know, though, that if they make a mistake, that is about me because it was training I didn't do. It was something I didn't follow up on. There was something that it, I, I have culpability. That doesn't mean they don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not absolving them. It means that if some, if a, if, we make a mistake, okay, with a client, for example. We make a mistake on a tax return. We make a mistake in, in tax planning. I'll give you an example in just a second. Um, we make a mistake like that, and we don't admit that this was our mistake, and we say, look, that was so-and-so's mistake. Well, you just thrown them under the bus. I can't think of anything worse as an employee than to be thrown under the bus by your employer. I was talking to um, somebody a, a while back, and and I was, they were actually a vendor. So they were somebody that I was, that was rendering services to me. And I said, you know, I've been frustrated because of this. And the, and the reaction was, the response was, well, that's my secretary. My, my secretary, you know, I, I'm just having trouble with my secretary. And I'm going, all I did, all that did was for me, my estimation of that person, not the secretary, but the, the person I was talking to, the vendor, went way down. I'm like, I can't work with you because if you throw your people under the bus, who's to say you're not going to throw me under the bus? And so it's just not part of my values. Now, um, earlier that in, during the busy season, we're dealing with the new law, right? And one of the issues in the new law is inventory and inventory for a business that has less than $25 million of gross sales. So I'm on stage and I'm, I mean, this is how I understand the law, right? Is, and I still understand the law this way, but follow, follow, follow through with me. So I'm on stage um, in front of about um, 200 entrepreneurs. This is in um, January in Dallas. And I, uh, I throw out this, I, I said, look, this is how I read the new law, that the new law says that if you're under $25 million, then there's a huge chance to deduct inventory when you buy it as opposed to when you sell it. Now you kind of have to follow all of the law through very carefully in order to get to that place. And I'm, I come off stage 
and I'm not off stage more than 30 seconds, literally 30 seconds, and two people come up to me, and they say, great presentation, Tom, only the IRS says that that's illegal, what you're saying. And they actually show me something on the IRS website. So I'm like in a panic, right? I've just told 200 people that all have inventory, by the way, that I think they can make a change of accounting method and deduct their inventory. So I go up to my room. I'm spending like hours reviewing this. And I find a footnote in the blue book, um, the um, explanation by the Joint Committee on Taxation, the staff of the Joint Committee on Taxation, that actually walks you through how to do it the way I said. But I was, I'd, been through this, I'd been through this analysis multiple times, and then I had to go to the IRS website and say, why are they saying this? And it turned out that the IRS had not updated its website for this. So in this, this was a case, I didn't make a mistake, but I thought about what, had, what, if, I, what if it was? Literally, I would have, and, and this is, I hope I would have done this. I, I believe I would have done this, is I would have had to get, get up to that entire group the next day and say, look, I, it was pointed out to me that this was incorrect. And I think that that's, I think they would have been okay with it. I do. I do. On the other hand, there was a CPA in the audience that was telling everybody that if they did this, there would be a 40% penalty. So rather than ask me and suggest that maybe they'd made a mistake, they presumed they were right. So my point here is, is that what happens when we are willing to accept, first of all, clients, we do have better clients because they don't get mad at us, right? If, we're, if they know we're going to accept a mistake, then they know when we're not, when, when we're not admitting a mistake, then we're probably not making mistakes, right? So we're transparent with them. So it does create better clients. Staff, staff are much more comfortable making mistakes. Here's what happens. When, when staff have the right and they feel like they're comfortable making mistakes, then we get innovation from them. Innovation comes from mistakes, right? What's, they, they say that Thomas Anderson, what, tried 10,000 ways before he found the right way for the light bulb. And, you know, you know that's, we all know that story where he said, look, I just had 9,999 ways that of, of trial and learning. I was just learning. So when we make, when we're willing to look at the mistakes and admit the mistakes, this is the lesson to me, is, is admitting the mistake. Don't be afraid of making the mistake. You know, it's not the end of the world. We think we're going to lose face with clients, but when we really lose face with clients is when we try to say it's not a mistake. That's when we really lose face. We think we're going to lose face with staff if we make a mistake. I'll tell you an interesting experience real quick. A year ago, I was asked by Robert Kiyosaki to film a 20-minute video that was in the nature of a TED Talk. And so I spent weeks preparing for this. And I had my, um, my uh, vice president helping me. And uh, we're, we're sitting in. We're, we're coming up with this. And, I, and the other thing that Robert wanted is he wanted me to bring an audience. So I invited my staff. And I actually had 10 of my staff there. And we're going to film this. And I know for a fact that Robert's going to critique it as we go. And in fact, Robert pulls me aside before we start, and he says, you are one brave man, Tom. 
And I'm going, you know what? If the, if the staff doesn't see that I'm willing to take criticism, how can I expect them to take criticism? If they're not, if they can't see that I'm willing to make a mistake and go through a process improvement stand, a process improvement of improving my, my presentation, how can I expect them to feel comfortable, you know, when I ask them to improve? So we get up there and I've got this 20 minute presentation ready, right? I mean, I got it down. I start with this video, I go into this story, and I'm not three minutes into it, and Robert says, stop. He says, we gotta get rid of all of that except the video. The video's great, everything else is terrible. And we went through and we spent four hours, four hours going through and where he would go through a piece, I'd try to get what he wanted, didn't understand what he wanted, we tried again, and then he'd go to the audience, which, remember it was my staff and say what do you think what could he do better what about this and the staff felt very comfortable giving their feedback which was great well what the end result of this was the staff was actually really really happy with that experience I ended up with a terrific presentation that's actually become the basis of my every presentation I give so I really got good, good practice on a presentation and got a terrific presentation out of it. And I will honestly say, 10 years ago, I could not have done that. I'm not sure I could have done it five years ago. This is something that Robert has really hammered into us that you have to be willing to make mistakes. And it has to be okay that you fail. And my experience now and I, I still struggle with it. I will tell you, I still struggle with it. My experience now is when we're willing to admit our mistakes, when we're willing to look and, and actually not, not worry about failing, actually not worry about failing, but actually go out and do things, take on a project that we might fail at, let the client know how much we know about this, but you know what? We're going to do everything we can. We're going to get help. We're going to do whatever we can to make, to, to make sure that this works properly. We take on something. We may not be perfect at it. It may not be exactly in our wheelhouse. But what happens is, is we grow. And as long as we're willing to make the mistakes and admit to the mistakes and willing to let other people mistakes, we're always going to end up with better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Thanks very much. See you next time. CPAs, you are invited to join me live in person at the CPA Leadership Summit in Tempe, Arizona. This event is designed exclusively for CPA leaders like you. It's from May 30th to June 1st, 2019. To learn more, go to wealthability.com event. That's wealthability.com E-V-E-N-T. See you there. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.